Take your Bibles and we'll go to the book of Ecclesiastes. And we're in chapter 9 now. We've been going through verse by verse. We've made it to chapter 9. There's only 12 chapters in the book. And so, um, say, Pastor, I didn't think it'd take this long. Well, praise God, praise God for what he does. Amen. I didn't think it'd take this long either, Brother Martini. Amen. Um, amen and amen. All right. Fantastic. Let me see here. Ladies, are you chilly? There's a lot that are chilly, some that are not. You can't, you can't please everybody, but when the preacher's feeling it up here with a suit coat on and a tie, three and four layers, you know it's a little chilly. So, fellas, anything we can do up there to bump it down, or bump it down, or bump it up, bump it down, amen, whatever. That's the crosstalk or something, come on tonight, all right, all right, amen. Okay, all right, thank you so much. Let's look at Ecclesiastes chapter 9, please, and verse 1. For all this I considered in my heart, even to declare all this, that the righteous and the wise and their works are in the hand of God. No man knoweth either love or hatred by all that is before them. All things come alike to all. There is one event to the righteous and to the wicked, to the good and to the clean, to the unclean, to him that sacrificeth and to him that sacrificeth not, and is the and is the good so it, as is the good, excuse me, so is the sinner, and he that sweareth as he that feareth an oath. Let's pray. Lord, help us now tonight as we look through this chapter, and Lord, as we go verse by verse. Holy Spirit of God, I pray that you draw out the truth that you want tonight. Lord, there is so much in in the Word of God, and it's a living book, it explains, Lord, in Hebrews, and how we can read it uh, so many different times and, and, and get something fresh and something new from it each time. And I pray tonight, Lord, that you would direct me for your perfect will tonight, Lord, to draw out what you want. And that this would be of the Spirit of God and not of flesh. And we thank you, we love you, we ask your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. And as you're seated, I notice in verse 1, it says here that the righteous, the wise, and their works are in the hand of God. Now contemplate that just for a moment. If you're saved then you're among the righteous. Okay, You have the righteousness of Christ, not of yourself, of Christ. Amen? Amen. My righteousness is, a, is of filthy rags. But because of Christ, God looks on me white as snow. I have righteousness because of Him. And the Bible says I'm in the hand of God. That sounds real good, doesn't it? Let's remember that for a moment. Because sometimes we go through some difficulties and some dark days. And sometimes there's, there's things that nobody else knows about. And, and you can't just go dump, unload and dump truck all your problems onto somebody else. So nobody knows about it but you and God. Remember that you're in His hand. Let's not take that for granted. Let's think about that. Let's consider that. Let's give Him thanks for that tonight. Amen? Consider the scriptures that we know uh, of, of being in God's hand. Think about John chapter 10. I'm, I'm going to flip over there real quick, and, and you're welcome to join me if you'd like. John chapter 10. I quote this qu- uh, quite often, but I want to get these word for word and uh, both verses here. Jo- and John, Jesus is speaking, if you have a red letter Bible, in verse uh, 27. 
And he's talking about how his sheep know his voice. All right. It says verse 27, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give unto them eternal life. I'm in verse 28 now. And I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My father, which gave them me is greater than all. And no man is able to pluck them out of my father's hand. And just in case we ever thought there'd be a difference between Jesus and God the Father, he, he sums it up, he clears it up right here. I and my father are one. Okay? And notice uh, men picked up stones ready to stone him, but he was speaking truth. Okay? Now, what's he saying? He says, uh, I've got you in my hand. You're my sheep. I got you right here. And nobody can pluck you out of my hand. And, and my hand is my father's hand. And no man can pluck you out of my father's hand. Consider what that says there. Not even yourself. You can't pluck yourself out of the hand of God. Once saved, always saved. Amen? Eternal security. You cannot lose your salvation. God said, when, when you accept me as Savior, you're mine. And I got you. What, what comfort that is. Amen? What comfort that is. Amen. All right. I have another Bible verse written down here. I want to go to Isaiah 62. Isaiah 62. If you'd like to follow, you can. Isaiah 62. I'm going to jump right into it, though. Verse 3. Bible, now, this is speaking of the Jews. And this is prophecy of what's to come for the nation of Israel. And in verse 3, it says, Thou shalt also be a crown of glory in the hand of the Lord. And a royal diadem in the hand of thy God. This is Isaiah 62.3. Talking about the Jews being in the hand of God. Now that's specific for them at that time. Isaiah speaking to them. But God gave us all scripture. And it's all profitable. And we can make application. Because just as the Jews are the chosen nation. Physically with God. The, the, uh, the wife of Jehovah. We're the bride of Christ. We're the church. We're saved. And, God, and Jesus told us we're in his hand. Amen. And uh, what comfort, what great uh, thought that is. Now back in our scripture here, uh, I'm noticing in verse 1 that it's not just the righteous and the wise here, but it's also their works. Did you see that? For all this I considered in my heart even to declare all this, that the righteous and the wise and their works are in the hand of God. Now, I know that this is Solomon writing this and that God gave it to us on purpose to see the wisdom of man versus the wisdom of God. I understand that, but he wrote it down for us. I have to consider that every word of God is profitable and uh, consider this thing and their works. So I got thinking about that and uh, the Lord showed me a verse in Malachi, two verses in Malachi that I'd like to read to you. The last book of the Old Testament that, uh, that goes along with that. Malachi chapter 3 and verse 16. Malachi. Hit the New Testament and back up a couple chapters. Amen. Alright, Malachi 3 and verse 16. Bible says, Then they that feared the Lord spake often one to another. And the Lord hearkened and heard it. And a book of remembrance was written before him for them that feared the Lord and that thought upon his name. And they shall be mine, saith the Lord of hosts. 
In that day when I make up my jewels, I, and I will spare them as a man spareth his own son that serveth him. He's talking about that remnant of Israel there. Praise God. There, there is, you, you've heard the song Beulah Land. Beulah means married. It means the, the time uh, of the millennial kingdom when, when Jesus Christ will restore the remnant of Jews to their land. Beulah land means married. It, it, we sing it like it's heaven. It's going to be heaven for the Jews. They're going to be back in their physical promised land with Jesus Christ on the throne in Jerusalem. Praise the Lord for that. And, and we're not, I'm not a Jew. So you might be, but I'm not. Okay, I'm a Gentile, but I'm saved. And the Bible says where I'm not going to be there in the promised land physically with Jesus, I'm going to be ruling and reigning around the earth somewhere, wherever he says I'm going to be, amen? I think, you know, Martinsburg or Harper's Ferry or somewhere in between right there sounds real good. That's just my thought. I don't know. I know some of you are going to fight me for it, but hey, whatever. Okay? I think that sounds real good. Okay? Talk about the... The land of promise right here. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm talking about West Virginia. I'm just trying to get you to wake up a little bit. Okay. All right. Amen. Shoo. Okay. All right. Good. If he doesn't let me be in any of those places, maybe I can have a floating throne that goes down the Shenandoah or something. All right. It'd be all right. Okay. All right. Moving on. All right. Fantastic. And, uh, and so all that's coming. And so he says, we're in the hand of God. And man knoweth, uh, no man knoweth, I'm back in our scripture in Ecclesiastes, no man knoweth either love or hatred by all that is before them. Let's move to verse 2, please. Ecclesiastes 9, verse 2. All things come alike to all. There is one event to the righteous and to the wicked, to the good and to the, to the clean and to the unclean, to him that sacrifices. I, I have a hard time with that. <laughs> Good thing you don't, y'all don't have to say these words all the time. Sac- sacrificeth. Is that what it is? That's what it is. Amen. All right, cool. good. Okay, moving on. Uh, what's he saying here? Let me just, let's, let's stop for a minute. Brother, Brother Shank, you're laughing at me. I want to hear you say that word. <laughs> Amen. Uh, what's he saying? He says one event happens to them all. What is that? What happens to every person? Death does. That's exactly right. Death does. It's appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment. Isn't that what Hebrews says? Hebrews 9. Okay. God is no respecter of persons. And uh, he says it's appointed unto man once to die. Now there's a select few that he's coming back in the rapture home. Praise the Lord. I don't know how all that works with, in with Hebrews and all that. But, but he's, uh, he's going to come home and he's going to rapture us up. I'm okay if he wants to do that in my lifetime. I'm okay with that. Now, I can't uh, tell him what to do, and, 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 and God has that date picked out, and he knows all that thing, but I just think it'd be really cool. I mean, die or rapture? Come on. I mean, I, I know it's going to happen in the twinkling of an eye, but, man, imagine that going up. Let's go. You know what I'm saying? Woo! I want to see this thing. It'd be awesome. Read. You, you like that? Amen. Read. I don't think you get a cape, buddy. And when you go, I think you just go. I'm not sure he gives you a cape and a, and a mask to wear. Okay. I'm just letting you know that. Okay. All right. He looked pretty excited down there. I can see him standing in the mirror, you know. Okay. All right. Moving on. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Okay. All right. Moving on. And uh, praise the Lord. Now, God, uh, God's no respecter of persons. 
It doesn't matter who you are or where you come from, your background or what, uh, what nation you come from or your, or your skin color or anything like that. It doesn't even matter what you have been given in this lifetime. Do you remember Abraham was wealthy, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. But so was Haman. Remember, remember the book of Esther? Yeah, remember the bad guy in Esther? Remember that was trying to, uh, he, he was trying to hang up Mal- uh, Mordecai and the stocks, right? Or the, the, the gallows, right? And he ended up getting hung on those things. He was a wealthy man too, wasn't he? Okay? What, what does God do? The Bible says it rains on, the, on the, the just and the unjust. Okay? God's not a respecter of person. He's not, uh, we don't have to focus on all these things. Well, I must be doing it right because, man, I'm succeeding. No, because there's a lot of people out there that are sinful that seem to be succeeding in this world. And so what we need to do is not focus on that, but just trust the Lord. That He knows what's best. He's given me what He's given me for a reason, for a purpose. And I've got to use that to be a good steward of what He's given me and use it to the best of my ability to please Him. Okay? Whether, uh, Whether He leads me to do something else and, and, and makes me really wealthy. I've known preachers that are so wealthy they, they don't know, I mean, just investments and all this stuff. But I've also known preachers that don't have nothing to shake a stick at. And God uses both of them. He blesses some and doesn't bless others in the, in the realm of financial, uh, that financial. And we get so stuck because we're so carnal. We're, we're so carnally minded. We get stuck on that, on that thing of money. There is so much out there that else that God blesses us with that's not money. Come on. Man, some, some of you, uh, you say, man, I, I don't got it when it comes to money. But you got a family and you got children and you have got a home that is worth something because you've done it right and done it for the Lord. Praise the Lord for that. And when you're, and when you're old and, and gray-headed or even gray-headed and you're not so old, amen? Okay. And, and you get to rejoice with your children and your children are, are, are coming back home and, and uh, all your grandchildren and great-grandchildren are hugging on you. Praise the Lord for that. Amen. Praise the Lord for that. Amen. Blessings, amen? amen? Blessings. Hallelujah. All right, let's move on. Verse 3. This is an evil among all things that are done under the sun, that there is one event unto all. That's what we're talking about here, death. Yea, also the heart of the sons of men is full of evil. And madness is in their heart while they live. And after that, they go to the dead. Again, it doesn't matter if they're, if they're living for themselves and doing evil or they're living for God. Every man's appointed to death. That's just the way it is. God said that. Every, everybody has to die. Okay? Verse 4. For to him that is joined to all the living, there is hope. I underlined that in my Bible. I like that. There is hope. Okay? What he's saying here is, he, he's saying, when you're alive, there's hope. You've got hope. To, to be alive is better than death. Okay? To be better than being dead. I know this whole world's fixated on death all the time. They're just, it's everywhere. Skulls and, and goth and blackness and just garbage of, of Satan. Suicide and, and, and you know... Killing, young, killing babies and, 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 and then people get a little older and you don't know what to do and so why don't you just help them die? No. God's not in all that stuff. He's all about life. Amen? And He says it right here. For to Him that is joined to all the living, there is hope. 
For a living dog is better than a dead lion. Amen? Amen. A lion is really something. But he ain't something when he's dead. And God says, I'll take a, take a living dog anytime over a dead lion. Because when we have life, there is hope. Listen here. I know days are dark and we go through difficult things. But suicide and taking your life is never an option. It's not the way out. God is not pleased with that. That's not what He wants you to do. There is always hope with life. There is always hope. Speaking to a young lady here recently, and uh, she just she's saved, but she's made some bad decisions, and her life's not where, where she thinks it ought to be, and, and it's not where it ought to be. I said, there's still hope. You're breathing, aren't you? You're alive, aren't you? You can come back home. Amen. Woo! You can come home. I did. Many of you did. You can come home. There's still hope. There's still time. Praise the Lord. Verse 5, for the living know that they shall die, but the dead know not anything. Neither have they any more a reward, for the memory of them is forgotten. In other words, when we're alive, we know that one day we're going to die. And so we live to the fullest because we know our end's coming, but we don't know when it is. And we live for God each and every day. If we, if we had the thought that we ought to have, Okay. Doesn't Titus say, looking for that blessed hope? Doesn't he say that? Looking for the return of Jesus Christ? If we lived each day with the idea of the imminent return of Jesus Christ, I think we'd turn this world upside down. If we woke up tomorrow and said, man, Jesus could come back today. Maybe, maybe I ought to witness to my boss. Maybe I ought to witness to some co-workers today. Maybe, maybe I need to call my, my relative that I haven't spoken to in, in three years. Yeah. And say, I love you and I'm sorry. Because Jesus could come back today. Amen? All right. Amen. Come on now. If we were to live with that thought in mind, we could do great things for the Lord. Verse number six. Also, their love and their hatred and their envy is now perished. In other words, talking about the dead here. Okay, it doesn't matter if they were loving, love, uh, they loved people, or they hated people, or if they were envious. It's perished. They're dead. Neither have they any more a portion forever in anything that is done under the sun. Okay, they're they're done. They're 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 dead. Verse seven. Go thy way. Eat thy bread. With, the, with joy and drink thy wine with Mary, a merry heart, for God now accepteth thy works. Now, I underlined thy in that, in that verse because that's what God spoke to me about when I was reading that. Okay? Go thy way and eat thy bread. In other words, don't be focused on somebody else's bread. Okay? Don't be fo- I, I can look at the martinis down here and, and, and I could be envious of their life and their way, right? I could do that because I'm fleshly. It's possible, right? But God, God said, go eat thy bread. Eat what I've given you. Live, what I've, live the life that I gave you and do that thing with joy, okay? And notice uh, here he says, for God now accepteth thy works. So I wrote down 
let me get content and live the life where God has put me and God will show me favor and acceptance because of that. Okay? Verse 8, Let thy garments be always white and let thy head lack no ointment. What I believe he's saying here is, let me show outwardly. Okay? Garments and ointment. Okay? Garments so that people can see. The Jews in the Old Testament were told to, to tie uh, 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 little ribbons. I believe the little blue ribbons on the, on the, outs, uh, the corners of the garments. And, uh, and, they, and they were seen to be different, to look different. And what, it, what he's saying here is, uh, let thy garments be always white. Show on the outside that you are enjoying the life that God has given you. Put a smile on your face and, 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 a, and a, a, a little skip in your step there. And enjoy the life that God has given you and let people see that. That ointment uh, obviously has, has a sweet odor to it. The ointments of the, of the Old Testament, uh, they, they did that to smell good. It was medicinal, of course, and, and it was a, a sign of the Holy Spirit, but it also had a sweet odor to it. And, uh, and oftentimes the kings and people with money, uh, remember when that woman with the alabaster box broke that open and put that on Jesus? There was a big, sweet smell to that thing, okay? And uh, it was, she, he said, she has done this for my death. She knows I'm going to die, and she's put this ointment on me. It was for a reason, okay? Verse 9, live joyfully with the wife whom thou lovest all the days of the life of thy vanity, which he hath given thee under the sun all the days of thy vanity, for that is thy portion in this life and in thy labor which thou takest under the sun. Remember who's saying this. What did he just say? He said, uh, go live joyfully with the wife that you love. This is Solomon saying this. Right? This is Solomon. Yeah, the guy with a thousand women. You know what he's doing? He's an old man here. And he's saying, yeah, I didn't do it right. I didn't do it right. He's, he's acknowledging the fact that though he married for peace and he married to, to appease this thing or to that king or whatever the case is, he says, I remember what God told me back in Proverbs chapter 5. Right? What does he say? Rejoice with the wife of thy youth. The wife that God had given you that, that wife without that distraction, that wife that you fell in love with, the wife of your youth, he says here, live joyfully with that wife. He said, I messed it up. I didn't do right. Yeah. I did exactly what God told me not to do in the book of De- De- Deuteronomy when, when uh, he says, when, when you come into the land, you're going to get a king, and that king shouldn't multiply gold and silver to himself. And that king shouldn't multiply horses to himself. And that king shouldn't multiply wives to himself. And Solomon did all three. He did all three. And um, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach a message sometime soon. I'm thinking about it in my mind. about the Solomon had a great book of wisdom, but he lived an inconsistent life. And there was results of that. And if the Lord allows me to, to put that together and develop that a little bit, uh, I'll bring it to you. And so, uh, so here he's confessing his sin. He's saying, I didn't do it right. Uh, I, was a, I was an idiot in this area. Don't you be one. <laughs> That's what he's saying. Right? Live joyfully with, thy, with the wife whom thou lovest. Verse 10. Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. 
For there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave, whither thou goest. Seems like there's a song. Work for the night is coming. Work for the morning comes or hours or something. I don't know. Remember the what, what is it? The day is done. Is that what it is? Okay. Uh, work for the night is coming when man's work is done. Okay. Uh, what's he saying here? He says, put your hand to the plow and don't look back. When God has given you work, then you do it with all your might and work hard. There's something to be said about work ethic and working hard. Many of you know it and I've seen it. But many of this world have no idea. The people that came over from uh, you know, Europe and all that and they came to the new world, there was something about the work ethic that they brought because they were people of the scriptures. And uh, I remember in history class learning about it, the Puritan work ethic. Well, really, it's the Christian work ethic. The, the, the Word of God teaching us that when what we do, what does Colossians say? He says, heartily as to the Lord. When you, when you work, you do, a, you do a good job at it. You don't do it half-heartedly. Put your all into it and do it because it's unto the Lord. It's not unto men. Right? You would, you would expect nothing different out of me. As your pastor, and, and what I do around here, you would, wouldn't it be awful that, that uh, you think I sit around and put my feet up on my desk all day and, and, and play games and all this stuff, right? That would be awful, wouldn't it? I ought to serve God, and I ought to do it with all my might, so He would be pleased. The same thing for your life. But what we have now is we have people living off the government that, that sleep half the day. You with me? And they don't work. God says you don't work, you ought not to eat. That's Bible. Amen? It'd be good for us. It'd be good for our families. It would be good for uh, our, our children to learn these things. Because there's a lot of the world that's forgotten all this. Where we, where the, America used to know this. It used to be taught. It's not really taught anymore. Actually, it's encouraged in the opposite direction, isn't it? We'll take care of you. You don't want to go to work this week? No, no problem. We'll send you a check for 900 bucks or whatever it is. You with me? It just happened in the last couple of years. Come on now. Verse number. I like that. Get the Bible back in school. Man, I like it. Amen. Let's go back to our scripture here. Verse 11. I returned and I saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, neither yet bread to the wise, nor yet riches to the men of understanding, nor yet favor to men of skill, but time and chance happeneth to them all. In other words, when it, when it says time and chance, I was trying to understand that. I looked up some definition here, and I, what I came to write down was things and occurrences. Stuff happens. <laughs> Really and honestly, in my, in my vernacular, I just write that right next to it. Stuff happens. Things happen. And God allows things. He allows good things and He allows bad things for my benefit, for my, for my growth. Okay? Things happen to everybody. All right? So, so let me not, uh, let me get not all out of whack there and, and emotionally unbalanced and, 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 and throwing my life away because something happened. Let me remember that God knew it was coming and let me handle it with His wisdom. Amen? 
Verse 12, For man also knoweth not his time, as the fishes that are taken in an evil net, and as the birds that are caught in the snare, so are the sons of men snared in an evil time when it falleth suddenly upon them. Again, things happen, and we don't know when they're coming. We don't know our end. Now, it's possible that some, somebody in this room could perish yet tonight. We don't know that. That's why, praise God, we ought to know we're saved. Amen? We ought to know that our name's written down in the book of life. Praise God. Now, I hope that none of you perish tonight. But it's possible, isn't it? We don't know our end. Okay, the Bible says that over and over and over again. Okay, verse 13. All right, I'm trying to finish the chapter here. We'll see. This wisdom have I seen also under the sun and seemed great unto me. There was a little city and a few men within it. And there came a great king against it and besieged it and built great bulwarks against it. Do you know what those words, those B words there mean? Besieged means to encamp around it. Okay, you see in the Old Testament where a king besieged a city. He literally, he, he encamped all his soldiers a circle around the city so nothing could get out and nothing could, could come in. All right, he cut off the supply lines. And then, and built great bulwarks against it. That's the idea of a tower or a wall that is good for defense and attack. All right, it's a, it's a structure to hide behind and to use for advantage. All right, a wall or a tower. Okay, so here's a king that's come and besieged a city and built great bulwarks against it. Now there was found in it a poor wise man, and he by his wisdom delivered the city, yet no man remembered that same poor man. All right, uh, let me stop there just for a moment. Here's a wise man, there's not many people in the city, but a great king that besieged it, and yet this man, he doesn't have much money, but he's got wisdom. And he saves the city with his wisdom. Okay? But everybody forgets him. I, I happen to write down here, just the Lord was speaking to my heart. Don't do things for reward or for acknowledgement because you will be disappointed. The wise man saved the city to, to save his life and his family and his people that's next to him. But sometimes we're doing things not because God asked us to do it or not because it's the right thing to do. But we're doing it because people are watching. And if you live life doing things because people are watching, you're going to be disappointed. I know preachers that are that way. They serving God, but they're doing it for the people could see them. I'm telling you what, you're going to be disappointed. You're going to be disappointed. Okay, we're to be servants, not trying to to get to the applause of men. You know what I'm saying? But that's oftentimes what we chase after. Okay, the wise man here, he, he got forgotten. Verse 16, then said I, wisdom is better than strength. Nevertheless, the poor man's wisdom is despised and his words are not heard. That's not uncommon to us. We know that. Okay, God's wisdom, mankind despises it often. It's the preaching of the cross is to them that perish, what? Foolishness. Foolishness, Paul said. But unto us that are saved, it is the power of God. Now, what he says? Praise the Lord. Amen? That's not uncommon to us. We understand that. The world doesn't receive always the words of wisdom and the words of God the right way. Verse 17 The words of wise men are heard in quiet, 
more than the cry of him that ruleth among fools. The guy that rules among fools here, it's the idea that he's the chief of them. He's the chief fool. He's the king and he's ruling, but he's, he's just as fool, foolish as the rest of them. And he's uh, rambling about things and being loud and boisterous about things. And he's in the limelight, but he's got no, there's no wisdom there. He's a fool. And the, man's, the man that is wise, though he speaks it in quiet, it's much better. Verse 18, wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one sinner destroyeth much good. Okay, wisdom, right? If, you, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God. I ask God regularly for wisdom, and you ought to as well. Because we live in a world that we need the wisdom of God. Man, we need it. To make right financial decisions, to make right family decisions, to make right preparation decisions, um, uh, how to handle this issue, how to handle that issue. Man, I'm telling you what, as, a, as your pastor, I get the opportunity to help people with great needs in their life. And it's not just financial needs. I'm talking about great needs of sorrow because of decisions that they've made. I don't know what to do. I went into a, I went into a meeting today. I said, Lord, I need your wisdom. I'm walking down the hallway again. And I'm saying, Lord, I, fill me, please, with your spirit and give me wisdom. Because this, this man right here don't know what to say. I don't, know what, I don't know what it is. But Lord, just work, work through this thing and give me your wisdom. Bring your word to my mind. And Lord, help me. Right? And then the end of it, it says, but one sinner destroyeth much good. A little, another scripture comes to mind. A little leaven leaveneth a whole lump. Right? It's like that fly in the ointment. He actually says that right here in verse chapter 10. Dead flies cause the ointment of the pocket. Okay, so it's like a, a, a fly in the ointment here. A leaven in the, in the lump. Like a drop of oil in, in a water, uh, thing of water or something, or, or, or something else. Right? It, it just ruins it. Just ruins it. A, a sinner can do much. Can, what's it say? But one sinner destroyeth much good. Achan sure, Achan sure did that, didn't he? Think of that great victory at Jericho. Walls came tumbling down. Man, can you imagine that? Walking around that thing once a day for seven days, and then the next time, the seventh day is seven times. And see them big walls. I mean, they used to race chariots on top of them. People lived in the wall. And see them. And the walls came tumbling down. You know that song, right? Joshua, right? Joshua. Okay, moving on. And then Achan. I, I watch God bring down these walls, but I'm, I'm too focused on the gold over there. My God just brought down walls without us lifting a hand. I mean, we shouted and we, well, we did blow the trumpets, but we lifted a hand, right? But God did it. And now I'm focused back on the world right here. Now, let's not beat him up too much because we do the same thing. But it was because of him. How many people was it in AI that died? Was it 36? I think it was 36, if I'm not mistaken. 36 men died. Daddies who didn't come home. Husbands that didn't come home because Achan sinned. You think your sin doesn't affect this church? You better, better think again. Think your sin doesn't affect your family? You better think again. It will destroy it. It will destroy it. God said it. Amen. And, uh, and that means it's true. My Bible's closed. We're past time already. But hey, we got through the chapter. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen.
We got through that. And uh, don't forget uh, where we're, uh, all the things going this week. Now we've got, uh, what do we got here? Volleyball game on Friday, and we got soul winning on Saturday, bus calling on Saturday, praise God for it. And then Sunday we got services. Pray over that, would you? And somebody would get saved this week. Amen?